Mastodon's Word to the Wise off of their 2017 album Emperor of Sand. This band has been around for a while now, but really starting to get a lot of airplay and climbing up the charts. Uh, this song is awesome. Sort of deals with self-destruction in a, in a way and really talks about us being our own worst enemies and us digging ourselves deeper and deeper into a hole that we can't get out of. We'll also have Brotality with us today, which is a trio of teenagers. And these guys are great. I really enjoyed sitting down talking to Liam, Reese, and Bryce. Um, there's a lot to hear from these guys. Buckle up, stay tuned, we're ready to rock. Welcome to the Song and Verse Podcast, a discovery of God's Word, one song and a few verses at a time. Here's your host, Rockin' Odd Todd. Hello and welcome to this episode of the Song and Verse Podcast. I am your host, Rocking Odd Todd. Uh, this is a discovery of God's Word through Song and Verse, and we're so happy that you decided to join us. Uh, today's episode is awesome. We'll be talking about Mastodon's song, Word to the Wise, from their 2017 album, Emperor of Sand. A lot to say about that song. And we'll also be talking to Brotality, a trio of teenagers. They're, they are hard-hitting. Their music just packs a one-two punch. Uh, it's going to be awesome to sit down and watch these guys. And as you all know right now, there's a fundraiser going on for Alice Cooper's Solid Rock. And we're really looking at giving back to the teen center out there in Phoenix. And today's episode is an embodiment of what it looks like when teens step out in faith and just do what they're called to do. These three guys are inspiring. GFM is inspiring. All the teens out at the, the Rock in Phoenix are inspiring. We can learn a lot if we just sit down and watch these teens hone in their crafts and be who God's called them to be. And so I hope you enjoy this episode as much as I did. And with that, we have Brotality with us today. Bryce, Reese, and Liam, how are you guys doing? We're doing great. How are you doing tonight? Oh, uh, I'm doing awesome. So tell me, who's who here? Who's Bryce, Liam, and uh, Reese? Which one's which? I'm Liam. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Bryce. Um, and I'm Reese. Okay. And Reese and Bryce are the brothers. Is that correct? Correct. Yep. Okay. And bass and guitar, correct? For you two? Yep. Bass and, then, and, guitar. and then we got Liam on drums. Mm -hmm. All right. So two brothers and a buddy. How, how did you guys come together? So um, the way it worked out, we had actually recorded at a studio that's uh, semi-local to us doing separate things. And the guy who ran the studio knew us both from those previous projects. And he wanted to do a project to help with some promotion for the studio. And he decided that he wanted to bring Reese and I in and Liam in at the same time. And when we were in the studio, Liam was just hammering the kit. And we were like, wow, we got to try to keep some stuff going with this kit. So we invited him up and uh, we kept practicing. And at this point, he pretty much just hasn't left. He hasn't left practice. So he's kind of <laughs> in the band. All right. And, and so age-wise, you guys are like, what, 18, 17? What? I'm 14. 14. I'm 17. And 16. Guys, guys, you have no idea how talented you guys are. This is phenomenal to be that young and be honing those skills and uh, just taking off with that. That's it's pretty awesome, man. Just keep – Thank keep, you so much. Thank you. Yeah, yeah thank you. keep pounding. That's, that's great stuff. So um, 
so did you guys know each other before that or did it just just started playing together and no yeah so Reese and I we live in a pretty rural area like our school we have like 80 kids in a grade it's pretty small so like our nearest like city is Scranton Pennsylvania which is an hour from us and Liam lives about five minutes from Scranton so we live about an hour apart so like we we never really like crossed into each other before that it all happened when we were in that studio working on that same project together Gotcha. And, and nobody, nobody's family members work at a paper company or anything, right? <laughs> nope. No. Nice. All right. So, you know, what we really kind of talked about ahead of time, and I, and I was noticing your all's bio, you know, Mastodon and Megadeth are some big, um, you know, influences of your guys, your all's. And um, I noticed that there's a little bit of a Dave Mustaine sound in, in, in the singing style and, and, and uh, that, that's really cool, man. I, I don't know how much you, you all know of, of Mustaine's story, but wow, you know, what a transformation and what a dude. Yeah, we've been, we've all been Megadeth fans since we can remember, like yeah. listening to all their albums in the car. Our, uh, our parents really got us into those guys. Yeah. So yeah, uh, that inspiration has really uh, made its way into our vocal style and into our music now. And his story just, makes it have even more of an impact and make it hit even closer to home knowing that uh Dave Mustaine's a Christian. Yeah, I mean there's so many of those of those guys that have come to the faith since and to watch the transformation it's just a huge testimony to who God is and and the grace that he gives us all. So that's really awesome to see. So in, in this episode and and I want to talk a little bit about brutality and some Ural's music too, but in we talked about uh the talking point being the word to the wise by Mastodon from their Emperor of Sand album in 2017. And correct, correct me if I'm wrong, but from what I was looking into that, it looks like that's really about a family member. The, the, the album itself is about a family member that was really battling with cancer and kind of lacing in some, uh, you know, in the, with, throughout the lyrics. I mean, if you didn't, if they didn't state that, you may not see that directly, but once you hear them saying that, you can really see it laced throughout. Is that, is that kind of what you guys would agree with? Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I didn't know any of that because it is subtly laced into the lyrics, but after watching their making of Emperor of Sand documentary, they share how their guitar player, um, Bill Kelleher, his mom died of cancer while they were making the album. And Troy Sanders, their bass player, his wife was diagnosed with cancer while they were making the album. So it, it really hit Mastodon hard. And you can, you can really uh, pull that through with the, with the lyrics. Yeah. And, and I mean, you know, that's a little bit about what we're, we're about here, you know, at Song and Verse 2 is just how, how art and music and dance and, you know, uh, all of the arts, so to speak, are an expression of humanity. And, you know, I don't know about you guys, it sounds like your parents are pretty much on board, but back in the 80s and 90s, you know, metal and, and rock and stuff had this huge dark cloud over it all, like as if it was something evil. And it's like, you know, half the times the dudes weren't singing about anything like that, you know. Yeah. And, and it's the same type, type album here. You could listen to this and think that, oh, it's dark and this and that. But really, man, he's he's screaming out. He's in pain, you know. And mm -hmm. so so spinning that over to the word to the wise. Tell me a little bit about what that means to you guys, what that song really means. 
Yeah. Um, first of all, I, I absolutely love this song, as do we all, and this mm -hmm. album. Um, so I, before I like talk about a little bit about the lyrics, but I just think the song being as good as it is um, and as catchy as it is, um, the melodies, the time signatures, everything just goes hand in hand. And I think it complements the lyrics so well um, mm -hmm. and it drives the point further home. Um, to me, um, this song is really about the consequence of living a self-centered and inward focused life. Um, like in lyrics like siren sounding, I didn't hear it. Um, being oblivious to the blaring signals that you might be going the wrong way. Mm -hmm. um, and towards the end too, I'd fallen into a pit of lies. I tried to dig around the other side. Um, so you've fallen into a pit and you're trying to dig your way out, which obviously doesn't make sense. Um, there isn't another side if you're in a pit. Um, but I think that lyric is amazing because it's basically um, alluding to that you need to look up um, out of the pit, out of the struggle that you're in, that you might have brought yourself into um, and look for hope and rescue from up above instead of from your circumstances or you trying to fix all your problems yourself. Yeah, I agree with Reese. And, uh, <clears throat> and the line, I was to blame for all the rain. I, I think that that kind of has like a, like he's trying to say, I, I feel like I was to blame for all of the, the, the bad things that have happened and uh, or, or all the consequences that have happened. Yeah, yeah, and that line, the I was to blame for all the rain, like he talks about how he dug himself into this hole and then he realizes that like it's all his fault now that, now that he's hit rock bottom. And like that sense of realization is such a huge shock because the whole time you think it's like, oh, uh, my, my, my job has been wearing me down or, oh, I just can't get along with this person. But then you realize that like, that might be because, because of something you're doing like that, that's a pretty shattering realization. And then right after that in the song, they kick into some riffs that are in seven, four and 13, four, which are some wild time signatures and the, the chaotic nature of those riffs. I feel that really helps to drive home that point where it's like, wow my world's turned upside down i realized that it like um all of this stuff that i thought was external sources driving me to do it was me the whole time yeah i mean you know I, I don't know about you guys but that's in my own personal walk it's like man it's me most of the time getting in the way of myself you know Absolutely. um yeah i mean alice alice has like a, a alice cooper has a tongue-in-cheek kind of song called my own worst enemy and it's like, when you listen to that, it's like, that's my walk to a T, you know, I can blame anybody and everybody I want, but the ultimate responsibility, you know, falls on me. And I think yeah. you're right. I think that's what he's come to the conclusion of in this song. And um, I think the interesting part for me was, you know, he's found himself at that, that pit and he's had that realization. And so many at that point in life are ready to just give up, you know, yeah. well, I've gotten this far down. I, you know, I've dug myself into a hole that's, you know, massively hard to get into. And I just think of Peter, you know, stepping out of the boat onto the water and eyes on Christ and then notices all this other stuff and starts sinking when, and then Christ is right there ready to, you know, take his hand and keep him from drowning. And it's that same type scenario. 
And, uh, you know, Luke 10, 19 sort of comes to mind, given the authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all power of the enemy, nothing shall hurt us. And, um, you know, it really kind of falls into line with the whole emperor of saying thing too, with the serpents and scorpions kind of thing just made me think of that verse. Yeah. So, um, so anyway, you know, when it comes to Mastodon and, and we talked a little bit about this you know, off air, it's like, what are they, what are they considered? So, so I need help. This old fogey here has no idea what all these genres or metal are. I mean, what are they? Yeah. So I, we've talked about this before and it's, it's really hard to classify Mastodon because like there are a lot of those sub genres where it's like, Oh, I can really hear the hardcore or I can really hear the pop punk in this or something like that. But Mastodon, like, they have such a wide variety of stuff. Like they'll have some like wild, like psychedelic breaks in some songs, but then they also have crushing riffs that are just as heavy as beatdown bands. So like we just call them like a straight up metal band. And I think, I think trying to put them into some smaller subgenre wouldn't do their entire sound justice because there's so many facets to what makes up the Mastodon sound. And I think too, um, that's one of the reasons why there's such a big influence on us. Um, just like their sound as a whole. We love that idea that like, what are they? Like, we don't know. We've been fans, like diehard fans of them for years now. And I, we love the fact that I guess they're just metal. Um, and that's a lot of inspiration that we pull from them. Um, because in our sound, we try to incorporate a lot of subgenres like hardcore or maybe thrash or a lot of progressive metal. Um, but in the end, um, if you're pulling from different genres and whatnot and different bands, um, I think it's just a culmination and it just leads to metal. So, I mean, maybe progressive metal, I'd call Mastodon, but honestly, probably just a metal band. I mean, I, I, I think that's really cool that you're saying that because, you know, I, you know I've, I've been following a lot of bands for many, many years, but the ones that make it, are the ones that find a way to, to remain versatile and remain open. And, uh, you know, I mean, you go back and you listen to old Megadeth records, they don't sound like the new Megadeth records, you know, they, they've progressed over time and yeah. they've found a way to stay, uh, you know, um, vibrant and alive throughout the years and relevant, I guess is more the term I'm looking for. Um, and even those guys from the seventies, you know, Alice Cooper, Aerosmith, Ozzy, Black Sabbath, those type bands, you know, there were some periods where rock and metal wasn't as as popular, so to speak, and they made sure that they put some ballads on those certain albums to make sure they still got some airplay. But um, but it's interesting because, you know, I even think of the band U2, and I don't know if you guys have heard much of them, but it's like, you know, over time, they 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 kind of went with what was going on and incorporated some of that into the music and were able to stay alive, so to speak, you know. Now, you guys are in a little bit of a different category nowadays, and it sort of seems like music is heading into this direction. And correct me if I'm wrong, but you guys have, like, released a lot of singles, and it's almost a way to keep you relevant at the time. Is that kind of the way you'd look at it, or how does that work? Yeah, it, like, we do release a lot of singles because, like, uh, with streaming nowadays and just being able to, like, go, oh, oh, a song just came out, I can go download it on Spotify instead of, like, waiting for it and buying a CD and having that connection to it, you know? 
like uh i feel like attention spans are shorter sometimes mm -hmm. so when you have music that's being released more often uh people like um it's kind of like a promotional tool too like the name brutality is out there more and you're it, there's not a two-year span where there's no new music and like i wish i wish it was back where it was like oh we just dropped this full album maybe maybe one single came out but like everybody goes out and buys the cd because when, when you buy like physical music you have like that attachment to it and you're like oh i spent my hard-earned money on this i want to really dive into it and now it's hard because you can drop a whole album and someone can go download it which is awesome but it doesn't have that same sense of like ownership or that you spent your money on this album or something so if someone listens to it and then they're like oh i want to hear uh my favorite band um then they can just go and switch it off you know with with no like oh here's this cd i just wasted money on or something you know it's dispensable music yeah. is dispensable nowadays yeah. you take what you want um and there's no consequence i guess you'd say like my dad always says like yeah i would just go to the record store um i'd pick up a cd or something and if I liked the cover, I'd buy it. And even if I didn't really like the music, I'd listen to it because I bought it for 15 or 10 bucks or whatever. Yeah. So it's just that sense of, like Bruce was saying, ownership. Um, but yeah, nowadays music is just very dispensable. So even if ideally we would like to just drop an album, um, people are a lot less patient nowadays, I feel like with music, um, especially like attracting new fans. Yeah, and like we, we're still 100% plan on releasing albums and like full like full length uh lps and stuff but just we're going in the direction where we release more singles spread out through more time so then every two or three months it's like oh here's this new brutality song and you're listening again and then maybe um you, you have a year's worth of every three months you're getting singles and then okay an album drops out that has five singles on it but then another six brand new songs and hopefully that six brand new songs get the people to listen and the five songs that they heard that attracts them to get the album in the first place yeah you, you know i i think that the the music industry as a whole like you're saying is just completely i mean it's been turned upside down ever since napster and mp3s were available um and it's it's kind of a catch-22 because the cool thing about it is when you guys release a single, you've poured a, a lot of your hard earned, you know, money, blood, sweat, tears into that single. And, you know, I've often wondered how many times back in the seventies, eighties, nineties, even part of the two thousands when they were cutting records, how many times was it like the production or the record company was like, we need 12 songs and they had eight done and they just threw together these four songs that were, weren't very good just so that they had them on the record. And yeah. so, you know, there's also that catch 22 there. It's almost to the point now where if you're going to release a song, you put a lot into it to make sure that song is exactly what you want it to be. Um, yeah. So, so it's a little bit of both, but I, I love what you're talking about as far as having like a vinyl or a CD or something, because you're completely right. You know, I, I used to get a paycheck as a kid, I used to vacuum pools in the summers and I would get that paycheck. First thing I'd do is go run to circuit city, which there haven't been in years, pick up two CDs for the week and throw the rest in the bank 
And that was like a Friday ritual. I got a paycheck and went and picked up two CDs and ended up with like an 800 CD collection at one point, you know? And, um, and I don't even know where they're at anymore. You know, I, I, I think sold a certain number of them, put some of them in storage and it's, it's, it's sort of painful going back and thinking about it where music is at today compared to where it was. But at the same time, it, it's definitely a pro and con scenario. And you were about to say something, so I don't want to cut you off. Go ahead. Yeah, like like you were saying, there's so much work put into that single. Like, you, at first, you're working on writing, like, the way we write, we work on writing the riffs first. And then after that, we add drums and get all the, uh, get all the instruments set up. And then layering vocals on top of that. That takes months to get a song solid and then you head into the studio for a few weeks to record and putting all of that uh time into writing it and then perfecting it practicing it and then going into the studio and it's kind of wild how like and then you post it and it's just like oh oh a download like there's so much work that goes into these songs and nowadays with the way people consume music it's just like it's is it's not the same as like oh I just bought like uh I just bought a D45 or something, I mean I'm regular 45 I got D45 terms stuck in my head now but like oh or I just bought the CD of it it's yeah. just like it's a quick download and like I'm not gonna say that we're not guilty of it like we do that stuff yeah. but like it, it doesn't have the the like it it doesn't really show the amount of work that went in sometimes to a, to a producing a song or an mm-hmm. album. Well, it's it's like having an ebook versus having a book on the shelf, you know, and it's just not not quite the same, so to speak. Exactly. Um, yeah. You know. So let's talk a little bit about about Ural's actual music, which which you know I was listening to some of the songs on the site and just really checking out your YouTube page, and the song that really jumped out at me was "Salting the Wound," and honestly this track really kind of goes a little bit into the Mastodon track when you think about it, because how many times do we salt our own wounds and keep ourselves in the same, you know, uh, thorn in my side, ache in my bones year after year, uh, give me relief. And I know a certain amount of that isn't talking about stuff we've done to ourselves. It's, it's, it's kind of got that uh, David feel to it in Psalms where he he's on a roller coaster one time he's up high and next time he's kind of down low and so tell me a little bit about the writing experience in that song because this this song's great guys thank you thank you um yeah so when I was writing the lyrics for this one I purposefully didn't want to be like really specific about um an exact meaning or I didn't want to say like this song is about when you go through struggles that only you brought about on yourself. Um, really, I just wanted it to be about a feeling of when people feel a feeling of shame or guilt or regret um, or depression, even after like whether they've brought struggles upon themselves or just facing them from the outside, um, that there's hope in that. Um, I, I feel like that's a pretty popular um, message, but I it's so important um that people know that um because like word to the wise says um you're not gonna find that relief or that rescue um in your own ways or Mm -hmm. you can't you're not gonna be able to bring yourself out of that um or change your circumstances um and one of the lines in there um 
is um, the one who speaks to me, patience. And I purposefully didn't just say like God as that line, um, because for me, um, it's this personal song too. Um, I feel like in a lot of struggles, I would find myself not having patience in it. And I'd be like, all right, get me out of this already. Um, or like counting the days of like, all right, well, how long have I been struggling with this? Or how long has this been happening to me? Or all of this, and just dwelling on the past and all that stuff, like that just screws you up and mm -hmm. that messes with you and that brings you down, brings you out of your faith, brings you away from God. Um, that's one of the devil's like greatest tools, I think, just like distracting you um, by stuff that you've done or things that are happening to you or you question why God would let it happen. Um, so Salt in the Wound is really just about um, how in life struggles in general, um, God is there to help you. Whether or not you're a Christian, he's right there waiting. One of the lines that I love the most in the song is right at the end of the chorus, um, Reese yells, give me relief, which is just that what he's saying. It's not like I need relief or, or I'm searching for relief. It's just giving it up and saying uh, to God, just give me relief. I'm putting it in your hands. Awesome. And so when, when you guys write, you, you were talking a little bit about the riffs and, and the drums and the whatnot. So do you all contribute to the lyrics or, or how does that work? Yeah, Reese is our lyricist. The way that we write is um, I'll start out by writing the guitar riffs and then Reese and I work together on uh, getting the bass part matching with that. And then we usually send like a, like a quick demo to Liam, just the drums and the, I mean, just the guitar and the bass. He works up some drums and then our next practice, we hash it out instrumentally. And then once we get the instrumentals done, Reese goes to town on the lyrics. That's so cool. So, so you know, you, you guys do what, a little bit of Pro Tools audition? How do you all do your recording and then send it over to Liam? Yeah, um, right now we're using Studio One, just the, the, uh, the bundle we got of recording tools. Studio One came with it, but um, the college I'm going to actually uses Pro Tools. So... We're going to start working with that. Cool, it's cool. Been lot, it's, been, it's been a lot more difficult with the coronavirus and everything. Oh, I bet. I bet. I can only imagine. You know, I'm seeing all these struggles that these bands are going through. And just just not being able to play it with a live audience is, is killer, too. Um, yeah. Did you guys have some festivals and stuff lined up or local shows? What, I mean, I'm guessing a lot of stuff's been canceled. Yeah, yeah this summer we were actually supposed to go on a – multi-week long festival tour we are going to hit uh creation festival again we are headed out to capstone and audio feed to hit all those festivals but all that got canceled but it, it's looking like next year 2021 if hopefully concerts are back by then we'll be on the bill for all that stuff and um i matter fest too yeah is audio feed is that the one out in la that's in uh illinois right i think so Illinois. Yeah. I'm, I'm trying, I can't remember what that big one is out in LA. Um, but yeah, I mean, that, that's, you know, that this has been, you know, I, I saw your message, Bryce, about graduating and, you know, playing the, the, what, I can't remember the name of the song, but it's like the alma, alma mater riff or whatever. Um, yeah. And that's where my heart has been. You know, we've got five kids and just to know what they've been through, you know, not being in school not being really out, just it, it's just heartbreaking you know to to think about all of that and so 
the, the three of you guys, two of you guys live together and you say, Liam, like how, how far away are you? Like 30, 40 minutes away or? We're about like an hour. Okay. So. Wow. So there, there's a pretty, so you really have to schedule this all out. We, we alternate practices. Like uh, I, I come here and they come there. And so we, we switch like about every week. So it makes it a little bit easier, but. Yeah, definitely. And and so you guys were talking a little bit about depression and, you know, I, I kind of think the, the thing that we hear about nowadays is of course suicide, but the cutting and, you know, bullying and all that kind of stuff. And, and I noticed that heart support was, was something that was in one of the articles that was written about you guys and that, uh, sort of a ministry that you guys have supported in the past what 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 exactly do they do heart support we've like kind of worked with them in the past um just individually volunteering for them um and trying to support them as much as we can um really they're just an organization um founded by jake Lures, the vocalist of august uh, so they're an organization that's just trying to spread um a positive message um a message of hope um specifically at the youth um of anyone who's dealing with depression or self-harm um or any feelings like that um where they're really just trying to bring hope to kids nowadays um through music so they'll like interview um people um of popular bands they'll tell their, their story um they have books and like resources like that um they're at warp tour and stuff while well, they were at warp tour um so yeah they're really just an organization that goes hand in hand with what we're trying to do as a band um first and foremost as a band we just want to get our message across um a message of hope um to anyone whether what doesn't matter if you're a christian or um whether you're anything else or it doesn't matter um just a message of hope and positivity to people that aren't feeling those emotions right now um and that's why heart support we're like right there with them what you're saying makes a whole lot of sense because you know i struggle with this with the whole um you know what we're called as christians to do and you know christ really gave us two commandments to love God and to love people and to see those carried out. And when you put in a song, the one who speaks to me patience, I kind of like that. It's got a little bit of that covert message and simply because you want to pique somebody's interest. You want, you want the music to be cognitive on a level that they're saying that you're saying, you know, what do you think about this? What does this mean to you? You want, you, you don't just want, if you just spell it out all the time, there's a lot more in my mind, there's a lot more room for rejection to take place because they're automatically going to have that stereotype of what they think it is and how they think it works. And yeah, like, go ahead. Yeah. Like a lot of bands that we love that have been around that like, will straight up preach from stage. Like that's awesome. Like we love that but sometimes somebody who's not a Christian or somebody who doesn't have faith, somebody might see that and automatically just shut down or feel uh, like, feel like, Oh, they're talking about this, something that I'm not even worthy of. Like what we try to do, we uh, like work the message into our lyrics and into our music so that people can, people can like find that from within instead of us, telling people like explicitly 
about it, people can search through it themselves and then maybe find something even more meaningful. Yeah, we want, we want to reach, like I said before, we just want to reach people um, and specifically people that don't know um, a message of faith or just a message of hope in general. People that aren't happy, people that are depressed, um, people that are dealing with just negative emotions in general. Um, and so as a band, that's why like, we don't call ourselves a Christian band. Um, while we all are Christians and are strong in our faith, um, calling ourselves a Christian band right away, it's someone who's a, not a Christian or a lot of times, um, especially the youth that if they're metalheads, a lot of times it just seems that, you know, places like Warp Tour, kids that are into that scene, um, like we are, um, if they're not a Christian, um, most of the time they're going to totally reject a band that's like, oh yeah, we're a Christian band. So um, we hope to be one of those bands um, that just has a positive message, but like we said, that reaches the people that need it most, um, but that there's no hate, no rejection. Um, yeah. Awesome. Definitely. And, and, and I think that's, that's where we should be at because, you know, if, if we're carrying out that part of it and, and we, you know, I, I've heard from too many people that, you know, when they find out somebody's a Christian, they're like, no, you can't be, you're nice. And it's like, well, wow, that's the whole, <laughs> that's the whole goal of it. I was, you know, not being nice, being the goal, but you know what I'm getting at. It's like, yeah. you know, I should, you should be able to tolerate anybody and you should be able to, you know, show love, even when it's the hardest, that's what we're called to do, you know? Yeah. I mean, like you were saying, a lot of times when, once people know there's like, once people uh, associate a band as being a Christian band, they'll like totally rule it out. And that hurts because then they can't get the message, like rooting back to what you touched on earlier in the interview, like back in the eighties, like metal wasn't popular with like the PMRC trying to oh, silence gosh. metal. Just for a lot of times looking the way they did, you know, like a lot of that, you're like um, typical, like a, uh, Christian parent or something attacking metal when they see Christian and metal together now it's antithetical to them and then it doesn't match and they won't be able to dive in and really get into it so just like what we're doing keeping it more subtle in there so people come in listen to the music maybe hear a short message of hope at one of our shows or dive deep into the lyrics to get that and find it through like their own digging. So it's really meaningful to them. And have you guys been pretty well received or is it something that you've had to? We've really, we've never had a problem with it. Like we rarely ever play shows with um, other bands where the members have faith. Like we play shows with a lot of local bands and other bands who don't share the same beliefs, but we've, we've never had a problem with it because yeah. we also don't, we're not, pushing anything down anybody's throats or saying or, or looking down saying that oh you're doing this that's that's bad uh um we you need to change your ways it's like we express that through our music and through our through our message in the music yeah no no i i totally get that because um one of those things that that's that's kind of a turnoff well i guess the area i really want to go down is like have you had 
experiences where after a show you'll have people talking to you and they'll want to know what the meaning is behind the songs or anything like that. Have you ever dealt with any of that? Um, we've had that a few times. Um, sometimes it's a little bit hard because from stage you can't really tell what we're saying because we're screaming it. Um, but yeah, like those are the opportunities yeah. that why we're in a band. Like that's what we want to see. Um, hear stories of bands that we love and their whole ministry it's not even on stage. Like that's a big part of it, but it's off stage after the show when people come back to them and tell them how they're hurting and all this stuff and why and how they want to feel hope. Um, like maybe members of the band might. Um, so really like that's why we're a band. Like we want to have more of those opportunities. Um, yeah, like that immediately made me think of Corn. Like Corn, totally not a Christian band. Have a lot of songs that have totally different lyrics to what anything christianity promotes but after the show corn and uh monkey right monkey's also christian well head oh yeah yeah head not <laughs> and, corn and i think yeah. fieldy fieldy and head both i think yeah fieldy, fieldy and, head. and head. yeah that's who it yeah. is but like those guys will have huge prayer circles right after the shows with right after a corn show so like the whole ministry there like they might go on stage and play with corn who's not spreading that message but then after the show, they have these huge prayer circles where they're really touching people heart to heart right there with them. Yeah, no, that that's that's totally it. It's you know it, and and a huge part of what this, you know, what we're all about is re religion versus relationship, and there's a huge difference. Absolutely. Oh yeah, I was just gonna say there's that one Silent Planet shirt that says "Heal us of our religion," and a lot of times people would look at that and be like. Hey, I thought those guys spread a positive message. Why are they saying that religion is bad? But it's not about following those laws that religion has set in place. It's about having a one-on-one -on -one relationship. Well, I mean, that that's a pretty nasty rabbit hole because religion is really a pretty dirty business. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, you think about the, uh, when I think about religion, I think about, man putting parameters on god absolutely yeah and it's like man god transcends anything and everything we can try to do as human beings and in so many ways you know it's almost creation creation rebelling against our creator when we put stipulations on him it makes no sense in many ways yeah and uh yeah. you know c.s lewis got pretty deep about some of that in some of his writings and i'll be honest that dude is so deep that I can't get, I can't get a whole bunch of it. I mean, I little bits and pieces I get of what he was getting, but man, you talk about, you talk about a Christian intellectual, that, <laughs> yeah. that dude was, was phenomenal. So, um, but man, this has been great. I, you know, it's been really good to know more about brutality. We are going to be following you guys. We'll probably put some of your all stuff up on our Spotify playlist and that awesome. way, you know, it'll be up there with, um, with some of the other bands we've talked about, be looking for that on our website. We'll probably redoing and revamping some of the website soon uh, to incorporate a few things. And so, so uh, be listening for brutality on that list and we'll, we'll list your all's uh, social media with this blog post and with this podcast episode as well. And I really appreciate you guys being here. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you for having us. This has been an amazing time. Yes. Yeah. Awesome, guys. Well, we sure do appreciate it. And uh, this is Rockin' Eyed Todd signing out for this episode of the Song of Verse podcast. Be well and take care. Thanks.
We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Song of Verse podcast. Hopefully it was an uplifting, honest, and meaningful experience for you. We do accept donations. If you feel led to give to the Song and Verse Ministries, check out songandverseministries.com slash donate for a number of different ways to give back. And also be sure to check us out on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Pinterest. We hope you turn into the next episode of the Song and Verse podcast. Until then, keep searching for the DNA of God's Word found flowing through songs.